The way that death was dealt with and the attitudes of the Victorians toward death is pretty fascinating. It's almost as if their fascination teetered on morbid obsession. When death reared its ugly head, it was felt by the whole family. The practice of mourning the dead was almost a macabre version of a celebration. Grandiose in the simple fact, one not only decorated their homes, but dressed accordingly. The practice of death portraiture and mourning photos have long been staples of this fascination for over a hundred years. You could say Victorians feared not being properly mourned over death itself. And as crazy as that sounds today, that's because death was around every corner. 80% of deaths today happen in hospitals. But in the late 1830s, the average lifespan for an upper class man was 44. 25 for a tradesman and 22 for a laborer. Sadly, children were amongst the most suffered during this time period with over half of all children born into working class families dying before the age of five. Crime during this period was in decline due to newly formed police forces popping up all over the country. But murder and child abuse were still a prolific everyday thing. And that's what we're going to focus on today, children. Specifically the death and murder of children during the Victorian era. In today's episode, you will learn about a few children whose time on earth was cut short. Children whose stories have not been heard for over a hundred years. Children whose stories have been not only lost, but forgotten. Please be warned that today's episode will involve child dismemberment and other violent acts that are disturbing and may be upsetting to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. He's talking and I'm not and I'm just... And then I'm talking. No, but wait, wait! I have something for him. Boom! Shut down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales podcast. Concentrate on the news. That's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales podcast. I am host Moses Soria, and joining me today is my brother Josh. Yo. And today we are going to bring you a jam-packed episode with nothing but dead fucking children. Very comforting. Very well. Very fucking know, comforting. Today we're going. You know, we're going to dip our toes into the world of true crime and bring you guys some pretty sad stories and cases involving the deaths of only children. You like making us sad, don't you? Well, it brings you joy. Well, it's because to I- make us sad. It's because, you know, I have this big-ass book called Childhood and Death in Victorian England, which is, you know, today's source. And I hadn't picked it up in a while, and then I got, and then I was reading it, and then I got really sad reading some of these cases. So if I'm going to be sad, y'all going to be sad. So someone ruins a movie for you, kills a scene, 
you're gonna ruin it for everyone else. If I'm gonna be in a bad mood, I'm gonna put you in a bad mood. So we'll I, play, we'll play. You know, so let's start this macabre filled episode with a father killing a six month old baby. Jeez, six months? Fuck, dude. <laughs> Charles Henry Sampson, 28 years old, had been married for eight years and had five children, with Ruth being the youngest at six months old. Over the Christmas holiday, Charles drank a little more than normal and it affected his health, with it leading to him having a psychosis break on January 7th, a few weeks later, with doctors later calling the psychotic break of his a symptom from his alcohol withdrawal. So on this day, January 7th, Charles, he ran up and down the stairs in a state of, like, giddy excitement. That was his fucking psychotic breakdown. He just was going up and down the stairs just like a motherfucker. So, after going to walk, persuaded by his wife's brother, he felt a little better. And he took a nap and slept in the chair, sound asleep, and woke up saying, you know, I f he felt better. But before going to bed, he said he would only do so if his wife went to bed with him. But promised he only wanted to sleep beside his wife and nothing more. Because his wife didn't want to go to bed. She was angry at him. He's like, come on, I just want to go to bed. I promise we're not going to do anything. I just can't sleep without you sleeping next to bed. She said, okay, I agree. And she climbed into bed. And then Charles started talking wildly. He started talking nonsense. I don't know what he was saying. In sleep or he was still? He was still awake. He was but still he, awake. Was, he was still like, you know, in that hangover phase. You know how you have a bad hangover and you go out and walk, you feel a little better, but you're still groggy and you're still like, uh. Yeah. He, was, he was still in that state. So eventually his wife got sick of his shit and at three in the morning, she left the bed and he followed her downstairs. And they argued a little bit, but she convinced him to go back upstairs because he was naked, butt naked. He followed her downstairs. So 6 a.m. comes and he starts bugging his wife to go and buy him some brandy. He's like, I don't feel good with some alcohol from one of the local alcohol shops first of all how at 6 a.m <laughs> 6 a.m there are fucking stores open that sell alcohol not even here in the hood like we, liquor stores don't open till like seven unless it's 24 hours and then even then they don't start selling shit till like what nine yeah they stopped selling alcohol here at one two, two. Two. It's like a what, like a seven-hour wait, or something? I don't know. I never drank that early. <laughs> you never well, I mean, I have, but I never bought alcohol that early. Yeah. So she's like, "All right, fuck it." He get bugging her. She's like, "All right, I'll go buy you your fucking brandy," and she left. She went. She went. She's like, "I just need like, all right, I go." And as soon as she had left, oh, man. he started beating the shit out of her brother, the one who took him on a walk, who managed to get away. And he warned his sister. He ran out the house and got his ass beat. And he warned rat. He ran and he found his sister, Charles' wife. He's like, don't go back to the house. Charles is just. He's out of it. He's out of it. He's acting. Oh, yeah. So, with no one left to bully and beat on, Charles picked up his baby daughter, who was sound asleep in a basket full of clothes by the fire, and in one swooping motion, swung her against the stone wall smashing her head and killing her instantly he then ran upstairs punched the fuck out of 
every window he saw, causing his hands to bleed. And this caused his children to wake up and they begged him not to hurt them because they saw he was in agitated state. His knuckles were bleeding, windows were glasses fucking everywhere. Little dead baby. Charles then ran downstairs, jumped through a fucking window like Dr. Jekyll in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie and ran away. Charles was caught and taken into custody and placed inside a padded cell where he was found not guilty on the grounds of insanity. Wow. And little Ruth Sampson was buried at the General Cemetery where her body was interred in unconsecrated grounds. So he just went to a little insane asylum, spent maybe a few months and got out. Brutal. Hold on, bro. Let's <laughs> the intermission in between these fucking stories. Jesus fuck. Up next, Harriet Parker. I said wait! <laughs> ah So on New Year's Day in 1848, Harriet Parker, who's described as a repulsive looking woman, sat in court charged with the murder two children that's the first description they got that's the that's the only description of her she's a lady. yeah she's fucking repulsive dude that's that bad those are our official court documented statements statements. description repulsive Repulsive (laughs) downcast woman (laughs) oh oh, shit oh man with downcast she was like (laughs) being ugly like this lady was she was having she was she was roughing it. So she sat in court charged <laughs> with the murders of two children. Ar- the murder of two children. Armenia Blake, aged six, and Robert Blake, aged four. Six and four. So Mrs. Jane Moore, a neighbor, testified that they were woken up at four in the morning by Miss Parker, who had been knocking wildly at the door. And when she opened it, Harry Parker said, Oh, Mrs. Moore, I have done it. I have finally done it. So Mrs. Parker then proceeded to tell the story that she and her boyfriend, Robert Blake, Robert Blake Sr., were supposed to have gone out and watched the play earlier that night, but while they were out, he made up. He met up with a harlot and took off with her instead. Uh, Moses, can you explain what a harlot is? A woman of the night. A woman. Uh, uh, can you go more in depth? A woman, an name. unfortunate lady. Uh, I'm an unfortunate guy, so no, keep, uh, keep going. I'm waiting for the word. Z. She was a whore. Did she had the mark. She was. She had the mark of the whore. <laughs> ah, okay, 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 okay. Carry on, carry on. So, Harriet Parker was supposed to go out with her boyfriend Robert Blake. They were going out to go eat and to go watch a play, and then he met a whore, and he's like, you know what, fuck it, and took off with her instead. So, I mean, she was repulsive, right? I mean, but he went out with it already. Like, you know what I mean? So she returned home. Sobered up. So she returned home. The food sobered up. The bread (laughs) sobered up. Sobered up. He's like, God damn. So she returned home and murdered his two kids. Mrs. Parker turned herself in and admitted to murdering two children. She said, it was my intention to do this nine months ago, and I have done it. Now to my sorrow... But I knew what I was about. So she knew she was crazy. She knew what the fuck she was doing. 
So in court, the servant at the Blake household took the stand and described how the police entered the home when they found the two bodies of the children, in their shifts and stockings with scratches around their necks. They were still warm and lying on an upturned bedstead. Mr. Francis Wright, a surgeon, concluded that the children were strangled and had only been dead less than an hour. Armenia, the daughter, was lying at the foot of the bed near the wall and was positioned in a way where she put up a struggle. Evidence shows that her Evidence shows that a pillow was placed over her face to suffocate her. Robert, the youngest boy, was lying at the head of the bed, and the state of the bedclothes suggested that he too put up a fight. So Blake Sr. took the stand and gave further details of that evening. He told the court that he and Miss Parker had only gone out to drink. And then he gave her the slip. While they were drinking, he's like, oh, I'm a bounce, and he just bounced. She then left the bar but then returned with Armenia, the oldest daughter, and stating to the bartender she would have a revenge on the children if she can't have it of him. So, damn, so, so, so the bartender knew. Not only that, their landlord took the stand and said that exactly at 7.30 that night, she told him that she would be glad to go to the gallows for Blake before taking another shot of gin. You know, the gallows where you go get hung, and Blake's the dad. She says, I would gladly, I would, basically said, I would gladly go to the fucking chair for this motherfucker. So Robert Blake told the jury that he had separated with the mother of his children and had only been living with his Mrs. Parker as a roommate who was a widow. He's like, we were not dating. Mrs. Parker said, that was my boyfriend. He's like, yo, we were just she would she, her boyfriend her husband died my wife died we were both broke we needed a place to stay so we were roommates and that's the end of our relationship she saw it one way he saw it another oh, it was a one-way street so mrs blake well mr blake then broke down when he was asked about the last time he had seen his children oh, fuck. after he collected himself he told them that 5 p.m that night and that they were both fine and well he then got ready to go out with his with his friend when Mrs. Parker said, this, are you going to go to a bar? I'll meet you there. He said, cool, let's go. Let's fuck it. And this is where Robert Blake gave her the slip, you know, at the at the, at the the bar. He's like, fuck it. You want to tag along? Tag along. So when they were at the bar, that's when he just dipped. So it wasn't a date. It wasn't a date. According to him. Yeah. And it was only at 11 a.m. the next morning that Mr. That Robert Blake Sr., heard from a friend that his children were murdered because he didn't go home that night. Mrs. Parker took the stance and retold the story of why she really followed Mr. Blake, why she really went to the bar. She raised her voice and pointed at Blake and Jane Jones, the woman whom Blake had spent the night with. The whore was there. Well, they're not saying it's the whore, but they're saying that's the woman I don't know if Mr. Blake, if Robert Blake saw a whore and then went out on a date with this with this Jane Jones woman, or this James just James Jones woman was the whore. But that's the woman he spent the night with. You know, the so point is, he was slanging that dick on. No, he was slanging, he was like slanging that motherfucker. Oh, okay. So okay. Harry Parker took the stands and she pointed at them and she's like, "You, you. <laughs> I'm coming for you." Okay. And she said, "Him and that woman there has been the cause of all of our misfortunes." and the death of the children lie at their door. 
until he met her, we had plenty. But during the night he met her, me and the children had nothing to eat but bread and dripping. He's like, this motherfucker was spending all his money on them and on her. Me and the kids, you know, we're, we're starving. We're doing dick. So, you know, there's two two very different conflicting stories. I'm, 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 I'm citing that it was more maybe, maybe Mrs. Parker was more telling the truth. Okay. Because that's why she, you know, that's why she probably murdered the kids. But she said she wanted to do that nine months ago. Well, that mean well, they had been living together for two years, uh-huh. so maybe they were dating, and he was just like, "All right, we'll date, whatever." But then he was still, you know, being a piece of shit, and trying to, you know, trying to get the thick way out. You know what I mean? So Harriet Parker was convicted of murder. It only took the jury a few minutes to find her guilty. <laughs> she was sentenced to death on February twenty-first. Harriet made her way to the scaffold only to be met with an immense crowd, all there to watch her die. Yells and boos enveloped the moment. She was, Boo this woman! <laughs> she was made ready Boo. to drop. Then she was dropped. She struggled mightily, but eventually gave into death. Fuck. It's funny how the jury just took a couple of minutes. Yeah, they're like, all right, fuck this bitch. Waiting. <laughs> Someone as repulsive as that has to be guilty. What? That repulsive woman? Guilty. I don't know <laughs> what she did. Oh, we're talking about her? Oh, shit. Guilty. I don't know what the fuck she did, but she's guilty of it. <laughs> so now let's talk about Charlotte. What did I tell you, bro? Give us some breaks, man. Give me a break. Harry, that's, the listener can take a break. I can't take a break. Harriet Parker wasn't that bad. Oh, that was, that was a little dying. funny. Yeah, well, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was... Right. Up next is Charlotte Billmore. So Charlotte Billmore was an orphan who had been living with Elizabeth and Henry Ford. Her whole family had been wiped out from the smallpox six months earlier. The Fords lived close to the school which was being paid for by the local reverend. Charlotte was an endearing child and everybody loved her. The day of her death, she was walking back from school with two other children but parted ways by a local hill, where she was last seen meeting up with a woman, the last time anyone would see Charlotte Billmore alive. Three days after her disappearance, two local boys were out looking for a pig that got loose when they found Charlotte's body in a pit covered with underwood and thick brushes. The body was very badly mutilated. Her head was split open and scalped. The body was cut open from the neck downwards with her bowels taken out and laid on the ground beside her. Fuck. One leg was cut off and the thigh dislocated and the other leg broken in two places. The pit she was found in was on her way home and it was assumed that the murderer had laid and waited for his moment to strike. Henry Ford's nephew was thought to have committed the murder as he was home when the child was missing and was seen sharpening a knife on a stick before he left, at the same time Charlotte had been due to arrive. Elizabeth Ford, leaving an hour later, she heard a child's violent scream from a nearby farm but paid no attention to it. She had children play here all the time that's not, you know, this is just kids playing. Mm. 
Another local woman, Elizabeth Yates, had also heard three loud screams coming from a child, but she had not seen anyone in the area when she went to go take a look. At the inquest, the local surgeon, Mr. William Hall, described the injuries to the body. The scalp had been taken off by a circular incision from the left temple, over the forehead to the back of the head. The front skin was turned over the eyes, escaping the frontal bone. Nearly the whole of the brains had been taken out and scattered about near the back of the head. Toward the right side, there was a cut an inch long through the scalp, but the features of the face had been left untouched. An incision had been made from the chin to the lower abdomen in a direct line dividing the intermediate muscles. Sternum was cut through. The intestines had been removed and the stomach taken out. The small intestines were divided from the large ones. The liver was considerably lacerated. The right foot had been taken off at the small of the leg. The muscles and bones were all broken. The right thigh was also cut above the knee joint and the flesh appeared to have been gnawed by some small animal. So the surgeon concluded that the instruments used would have been a sharp knife with forceps or pincers to remove the piece of skull. He also stated that whoever had killed Charlotte had spent quite a long time butchering her. Rewards were immediately issued offering a 100 British Brown reward which is almost 10K in today's, today's money, for the discovery of the killer and a reward for 500 British pounds, $50,000 in today's money, with a pardon to any accomplice. So Henry Ford's nephew was released and there was no proof of his guilt. But three months later, Miles was caught bragging about the murder and was locked up. He said he met up with Charlotte as she was coming home from school and suddenly, right then and there, decided to murder her. He grabbed her by the throat and strangled her. He fell on her body and broke her leg after she had died. Then, he cut off her leg and cut the body into pieces. Miles made a plea of insanity and was detained. The sentence, or length, is unknown. But he pleaded insanity. He pleaded insanity. Was, um, probably in less than six months. Yeah. They they said like when I was reading it said that he was detained at his Majesty's pleasure. What that the, means? What the fuck? I don't know if the government's like no 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 you know we got him we got him. Uh, Either that or it's like he had money or something. Lastly, we have Fanny Adams. The most brutal of all. More brutal than this one? More brutal than this one. You're killing me, Moses. You're killing me. So Fanny Adams had been playing in a field called the Lower Flood Meadow. And this field was split by a lane nicknamed the Hollow. On one side being a hoppy field and the other side a clover field. 
the hop field had a high hedge and ditch so it was not easy for someone to see over to the other side. Fanny wasn't alone. She was with her nine-year-old sister Lizzie and eight-year-old friend Minnie Warner when local man named Frederick Baker appeared behind them as they played. Fucking Baker. It's another Baker. He offered them each half a penny for them to go with him to the hollow and pick berries. When they got to the hollow, Frederick picked up Fanny to pick berries from the higher branches and then told Minnie and Lizzie to go spend their pennies while he and Fanny continued picking berries. Fanny knew better and said that her mother needed her to go home soon. But Frederick ignored Fanny and carried her away as she cried. Lizzie and Minnie then left and around 1.30 they were seen buying treats. Lizzie didn't go home until a little after 3 without Fanny and just assumed that when she got home and Fanny wasn't home that Fanny had gone to watch the father play cricket. It wasn't until after 5 that their mother and a neighbor had gone out to look for Fanny. Almost four hours later. They both headed straight to the hollow and saw Frederick near the hollow's gates. They confronted him and asked him what he did with Fanny and he claimed he had nothing to do with her missing. He admitted that yes, he did give them money that that was the extent of his running with Fanny and the kids. When asked for his name, Frederick just spurted, never mind my name, you will find me at Mr. Clement's office, and left. So while many more joined in on the search, a local man, Thomas Gates, found a piece of dress with blood, and then as he went further up the hollows, he found Fanny's head on two top holes and a leg and thigh further up the hollow with both limbs being hollowed out. Her hat was in the hedge and her heart and lungs were found on the next field over by another man. Her foot was also found on the side of the road. Police found a 10 inch knife with one eye. Frederick Breaker, 29, at the time, was arrested and immediately charged with murder. As he was being arrested, Fred told the cops, they say it's me, don't they? I'm ready to go with you. Evidence against him was stacked. From the clothes being wet and damped from the river water, to blood on his shirt, two knives found on him, one which could be used to give the injuries that were given to Fanny's corpse, biggest piece of evidence against him was his diary, the diary that he kept at work, which had the entry, killed a young girl, it was fine and hot. Many locals testified that Baker was last seen with the girls, with a seven-year-old boy named Alfred Vince testifying that Frederick tried to grab him when he spotted Frederick washing red off his hands in the river. Dr. Alfred Swain Taylor was called in to inspect Baker and his bloody clothes. The doctor found Baker's cuffs stained with blood, but a witness from work said that earlier that day, Baker had been feeling unwell and had suffered a nosebleed. Coagulated blood spots were found on his black coat, one on the left side and one on the left side of the cuff, and few on the front. 
There was no blood in the pockets, buttons, or waist. His vest had some blood spots and bloody water was found in the creases. One of the knives found on Baker did have blood. Overall, Dr. Taylor concluded that if Baker really was the murderer, should have been a lot more blood found due to the nature of the crime. And then another doctor, Dr. Leslie Avountain, gave his evidence at Baker's trial regarding the morbid and macabre state of the body. This part's brutal. We're not done with the brutal. I thought the, the fucking dismember. Oh, Here's a man. description of the body. First of all, going back to the description of the search where they found all, all the people, it looked like he killed her, chopped her, chopped her up in pieces, and was just holding all the pieces on him, carrying him, just tossing him around like a fucking. Now, sounds brutal. Yeah, like, I don't know what the fuck. It he was did. everywhere. Yeah. She was everywhere. Yeah, it was literally. So I don't know if that's what he did, or animals might have taken you know, rats, coyotes. I, I don't know what the fuck, but. It was just a fucking a field of body parts. Yeah. The fact that the cops found a 10-inch knife on the side of the road with, with, with one eye right next to the knife. Like, what the fuck? So here is Dr. Leslie out evidence regarding the morbid and macabre state of Fanny Adams' body. The head, which was partly decomposed, had been separated from the body with a forearm cut off at the elbow at the junction of the parietto bone with the occipital bone he found a contused wound and two bruises on each side of the head although neither had caused the cut the right ear was severed from the head and there was a wound from the nose to the lower jaw which had cut through the vessels both eyes were taken out. On the left side, there was a cut from the ear to the lower jaw, dividing the muscles as far as the angle of the mouth. Fuck. When opening the head, a wound was found separating the membrane from the bone. The membrane around the, cere the, membrane around the cerebral sinuses was congested and coagulated. Blood was found on the brain, which had which, which would have caused death. Furthermore, there were three incisions on the left side of the chest. The largest incision pierced through the skin, and there was a deep cut under the armpit dividing the muscles. And the forearm was cut off at the elbow. The left leg was nearly cut off at the hip joint, and in the front, there was a deep cut dividing the muscles and vessels of the thigh. There was a deep cut in the left side and a cut on the right side beneath the armpit. The left leg was torn from the trunk. The contents of the chest and pelvis had been removed. There were five incisions in the liver. Three in the lungs and the heart had been cut out. The spleen separated. The sternum had gone and there was a dislocation of the spine between the lumbar and the dorsal vertebrae. Also, her vagina was missing. Minnie Walker 
The friend that was there with Fanny was called to the stand to see if she could identify the man who took Fanny, but she was frightened by the crowds of noisy people. She just couldn't be reliable. She started freaking out and started crying. When cross-examination took place, Baker's father was first, and through this, it was found out that there was a very high degree of mania in the family. Both Frederick and his father had experienced bouts with homicidal tendencies. One cousin had been admitted to the infamous Bethlehem Royal Hospital twice, and then two more times to a private institution. Baker had a brother, and he too suffered from bouts of mania as well. After this was revealed, it only took the jury 20 minutes to reach the decision of guilty. He was sentenced to death and to be hanged by the neck until dead and then buried inside the prison. Fanny Adams was laid to rest at the Alton Cemetery with a grave enveloped in wreaths. But if things could not get any fucking worse for the Adams family, the name of their beloved slain daughter quickly became a pretty nasty euphemism that unfortunately has outlived the real Fanny Adams. So the name Fanny Adams actually became kind of a curse word. So starting in 1869, a mere 20 years later after the infamous death of Fanny, new rations of tinned mutton was introduced to British seamen. But they were so repulsed by not only the quality, but taste of the mutton, that they started joking that the mutton was in reality the butchered remains of Fanny Adams. And from that moment forward, when someone referred to something as Fanny Adams, it was slang for pretty much anything worthless. Like all these Fanny Adams ass sandwich, like this piece of shit ass sandwich. Then, years later, there's more fuck! The Fanny Adams euphemism changed from meaning anything worthless to a negative connotation of nothing at all. And it's still used to this day in Britain. Where working class men and superiors would use the Fanny Adams name in expressions such as You've done sweet Fanny Adams to help me. Like you've done dick to help me. You've done nothing. You've done sweet and Fanny Adams to help me. You need to say the full name? Yeah, they say Fanny Adams. Or sweet FA. You've done sweet FA to help me. Yeah. <laughs> People suck. But I'm glad that, you know, the they the jury's like no, 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 fuck this guy. <laughs> Guilty. 20 minutes. They just all, it took him, it took him 15 minutes for everybody to sit down and be quiet. And someone around the room pointing everybody. Guilty? Oh. Guilty? Thumbs Guilty? up, thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. And then they just buried him and they buried, killed, bur- they killed him. And they buried, buried him inside him the prison. prison. So even his remains will remain in prison. In prison. Yeah. And Fanny Adams, too, she also had a huge 
like at her wake. Like it was thousands of people. Cause it was like a famous story. Yeah. Like, thousands of people around her fucking sweet little girl cemetery murdered. man, and her grave was covered in roses and wreaths. You know, but it sucks that you know her fucking name became a euphemism for fucking shitty meat and for being a lazy piece of shit. <laughs> Doing nothing at all because because there was nothing over. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, but that was our episode. How do you feel? I feel a lot better now that I've spoken. Now that it's out, you know that now now that it's no longer. I'm not. It's it's out now. Now that everyone else is fucking hurting and feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel a little, like I could breathe a little easier. Man, fuck these episodes. I'm not. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not partaking in this bullshit anymore. <laughs> But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, this little mini episode, this little mini morbid episode. There probably won't be any more. Maybe one more in five years from now, if we're still around that long. <laughs> you know, but you know, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, can't, you know, so you guys can say we finally did one. Um, Archie's going to join us. Archie can join us, you know, today because this episode was supposed to come out last week, but because of schedules and then, you know, just being busy, I'm getting a job, drug tests and things, it's got a, things got out of hand. So I'm like, oh, let's just push back a regular episode. I'm like, fuck it, let's just do a mini episode. And uh, I was, you know, like I said, I was reading fucking this book. It's like, fuck it, I'm Kids bummed out. I'm a bum y'all out. Yeah, I'm like, oh, Why you know, what? it's summer. People are gonna love this episode of being wow. a fucking children being murdered. Wow. You know, so I hope That's you got a heavy wow, dude. The fucking wow. It's a like wow, wow. It's a whoa. So again, thank you guys as always. And if nobody has anything else to add, please add us on. Please add us on Instagram, Weird History Eretails Pod. And as always, we are the Weird History Eretails Pod. Wow.